This is the Love and Sex Unfiltered Podcast. Hosted by licensed marriage and family therapist and certified Gottman Method couples therapist, Sonia Jensen. Let's dive into the unfiltered side of what it takes to create communication, intimacy, and chemistry, not just in relationships with a partner, but the relationship you have with you. Here's your host, Sonia Jensen. All right, take five. <laughs> Welcome to the Love and Sex Unfiltered podcast. It's me, your host, Sonia Jensen, and we have Ophelia back on the podcast. I know you all missed her, but she was on vacation. Say hello. Hello, fresh off the flight from England mm-hmm. and jet lag to boot. Let's right? do this. We're both trying to like hold it together and film these podcasts, so um, we're exhausted. A little bit, but, but you know what? This is important what we have to talk about. So it is important what we have to talk about. And what we're talking about today is the third tier of the sound relationship house through the Gottman Institute, which is turning towards versus turning away. It's all about needs. And for two women who are super exhausted, we have a lot of needs. I have a need for sleep. I just have a need to get a boost of energy to keep. <laughs> Moving on with my day. Moving on with your day. She has lots of notes for me. She doesn't like when I just uh, keep chattering on, not getting to the point. Anyways, so let's talk about needs. All right. So when we think about needs, this is really where um, a lot of couples find their, their biggest sore spots and also their reasons for struggling with trust. Trust is something that we build through consistency and time when it comes to knowing what our partner's needs are and what we call in the Gottman method, turning towards those needs. John Gottman found that uh, trust is not built in these big moments, right? When you kind of come through in a clincher for your partner, but in these everyday experiences where we are putting out needs. And so couples in their research that showcase being really happy and fulfilled in their relationships see and turn towards each other's bids for connection about 87% of the time. That's a pretty high number. What's a bid for connection? So a bid for connection is something that we consciously or unconsciously ask for that is a need. So like if I scoot closer to you on the couch, I'm attempting to have some sort of physical closeness with you. But if my partner just kind of stays there stone cold or moves away from me, that would be turning against a bid for connection. But if they pull closer to me as well and put their arm around me, that's a turn towards a bid for connection. Um, Other bids for connections come in the form of criticism, especially when we're really um, struggling in our relationships or we feel like our needs are not important to our partner. I'll say something like, you never help me out with the kids in the morning. I have to do everything by myself. Will you just sit there and play on your phone? Right. Underneath that is a positively stated need, which is, hey, I need your attention. I need your help with getting the kids dressed for school. Um, But instead of asking for what we need, we end up criticizing our partner, which ends up leading to probably not getting the help we need or it being met with a lot of defensiveness. So a big part of turning towards each other Mean it requires an individual to look inside themselves and see what their needs are and learn how to ask for those needs positively. Most of the time when people end up in my office, they have no idea what they even need. 
That sounds about right. Yeah. They're in super high critical mode and their needs all come out as criticisms or they are living like roommates and having zero needs whatsoever. You have these couples that will say, well, we really want to build trust with each other. Um, But how can you build trust if you have never allow your partner to meet your needs and the way that you request for your needs to be met are are stated in a way that causes a lot of defensiveness. So, you know, you have to be really kind of in touch with yourself. And there might be some other areas of the relationship that need to be addressed. I will often say that some of the bigger breakdowns I see in my office is people getting to the point of asking for needs because they don't trust that their partner will meet their needs. I mean, I can understand that. I know what my needs are most of the time, but I'm definitely a self-sufficient type person. That's the kind of family I was raised in. You're supposed to meet your own needs. And I tell my husband constantly, don't fuss over me. And so he doesn't like when I say that, but I'm really ultimately telling him, like, let me solve my own problems. And he's a problem solver for not just for a living. That's just who he is as a nurturing person. Yeah. And so I have to trust that he can meet my needs and give him that leeway. Even if he does mess up, he's not doing it on purpose. He's doing it to the best of his ability, not the best of my ability. Right, right. And for me, I'd probably go into that hypercritical mode. Like I'll stuff, stuff, stuff my needs because I am used to being self-sufficient and I definitely want to believe in myself and do things for myself. But I usually hit the point where I explode. And then I'm like, you never met any of my needs. And my husband's like, well, what the heck? I didn't even know you had any. I didn't even know you had anything. You were just saying yes to this or saying you could handle or tackle that. And like, I'm not a mind reader. I cannot, you know, make sure that I know everything that you need and what you want if you don't communicate it. So a big thing for me is, you know, let's let's talk about the five love languages. Most of us know that book where the idea is that all of us give or receive love within these kind of five dynamics, right? Physical touch is one. Um, most guys listening to this podcast will probably agree, although it's not completely gender stereotypical. Uh, gift giving, you know, you really want to make somebody feel special that when you see something little that they would like, you go and get it for them, or you like feeling that somebody thinks you're special and getting you gifts. There is quality time where I really want the time that we do have to be together, to be thoughtful, to be intentional, to be planned out. And if we're super busy and our schedules aren't aligning, that makes me feel really drained and disconnected. Uh, Then there is words of affirmation. Words of affirmation is all about, you know, telling my partner that I see them um, and that I appreciate them and I value them. And a lot of people, especially women I have found, and I'm a big words of affirmation person as well, we we feel un- underappreciated and unimportant when what we really need is to be noticed. But I, I find that men struggle, even though they want the words of affirmation, they struggle asking for it because it feels weird to ask somebody to say, hey, notice me, mm-hmm. right? So, and then you have the last one, which is acts of service, right? Like I do something for you or you do something for me. And what's interesting is that you'll see a lot of, again, men, in my opinion, and that's not always gender stereotypical, but men in general will do a lot, a lot, a lot. And they hope that by doing that, they get words of affirmation or physical touch back. 
And like women will um, definitely feel parched or disconnected if they don't have that quality time. And so they'll begin to nag <laughs> in, ho- in hopes of getting it. So needs are um, are really tricky for a lot of couples. And when you know, you're in your early stages of your relationship, I think you are really tuned in to, you know, learning your partner and trying to meet their needs. But as a relationship progresses and you have kids or you have jobs or life is busy, we tend to put each other and ourselves on the back burner. And so then nobody's really sharing any needs. And then you don't you know, it's no wonder that relationships, monogamous relationships, long-term monogamous relationships really do struggle with emotional and physical uh, intimacy disconnection, end up living like roommates, right? Right. I mean, you have to first address what your needs are. And I think that's a huge thing. Some people just don't know what their needs are. They're not willing to be that vulnerable and say like, I need you to do this for me because some people have the expectation that they're not going to do it anyway. So it's like, why tell you to do this for me and you're not going to do it? So you're you're lacking that trust that you were talking about at the beginning. So how can you address how to meet your needs first? Like, how can you I address to my partner? I need you to do this for me. Right. So that's what we would call a positively stated need. And and the first thing it comes down to is you have to start to study yourself. Most of the time, especially when we're in really negative patterns in our relationship, you know, we're not really aware of what our needs are until they have not been met. And so it takes a lot of work to notice and be aware when you are getting frustrated or upset or you're feeling disconnected or unknown by your partner, because that's a good time to clue in and say, what's the missing need here for me? I know for me, like I will pull away, I'll get super upset. And I definitely go into that negative headspace of like, you know what, I'm better off just doing this by myself. I can't depend on my partner. And so when I stop and I slow down and I notice that I'm feeling critical or I'm feeling like pulling away. I say, what, what's my need underneath here? And like most of the time for me, I need some sort of acts of service, words of affirmation, um, something like that. So you have to really be aware of yourself. You know, in a lot of ways, you can track this through journaling. Uh, you can track this in your conversations with your friends. Um, what are you complaining about? And ask yourself, if I didn't have this complaint, what would be happening differently in my relationship? What would I be noticing my partner saying or doing or making me feel? Uh, Because I really want to tell my partner what I do want instead of what I don't want. Oftentimes I'll hear couples come in and one partner will say, you know, I really just want you to be, you know, to give me some understanding or compassion. Don't talk over me. Don't fix my problem for me. And well, you do have to kind of explore that. I think like, let's pick apart the first piece of that understanding and compassion. What does that mean to you? I think I'm talking about understanding and that your definition of understanding is the same as mine. But that's not always the case. I could say, you know, I definitely want, you know, your understanding and my partner is like, well, I'm sitting here listening to you. Isn't that understanding? Right. And really, for me, understanding is taking what I'm saying and following through on it. It's not just listening to it. So I would really try to help people pick apart these general words and find the meanings of them and speak to that way. 
So I usually hear, please give me understanding and compassion. I want to feel supported, but I need you to really think about what those look like in practicality so that you can tell your partner, hey, like, I know that we're both super busy and um, we're, we're working really hard. Support to me right now would feel like if you made the kids lunches the night before um, and help me lay out their clothes. So that way when they woke up in the morning, I'm getting them dressed and you're making the coffee and it feels like the morning can go a little bit smoother that way. That's how I would want somebody to share a need, but that takes time. Well, I like that because you know exactly what your partner is asking for. It's not this general thing of I need, I need, I need. I mean, my husband is very literal. You better lay it out for him what you're asking for. He does not need a generality. He's going to come back with more questions because that's who he is. So tell him what you need and then he's going to do the best of his ability. And I still think, though, that I know a lot of my friends They tell their husband that I need you to get up and make the kids breakfast, but then they're not happy with the breakfast that the kids made. Right. And it's like, you can't have it both ways. Yeah. You have to trust that your partner's going to do it to the best of their ability. And then you have to take your hands away and say, I'm trusting you with the way that you're doing it. It doesn't matter that it's not my way. It's your way. And I trust you. And you have to walk away and let that be. I think you make a great point there. Like we are all going to do things differently and we have to accept and acknowledge that we're different. You know, one of the things that really is important here is when somebody meets a need. So say, for example, we we use that and I say, I really need you to make the kids breakfast. My partner makes the kids breakfast. It's not perfect, right? Like it's probably like honey nut Cheerios and some milk where I would make oatmeal and like avocado toast, right? But I want to come in with words of affirmation or appreciation to say, thank you so much. I really feel heard because I asked you to make the kids breakfast and you did it. Thank you. That means so much to me. I really feel like I can let that responsibility go. That's an acknowledgement to them that I see you making attempts to meet my needs. And at the same time, it's a relinquishing of your control of it. Uh, and I and I think that is really necessary because as women, or I, I can only speak for myself. And me. <laughs> and you. I don't like relinquishing control. And I want it done a certain way. So I really have to move into appreciation for my partner as a way of getting rid of my control. That's my verbal handover or toss over. And it's not perfect, but that's okay. You know what? I can let it off my plate. And then in your mind, you are continuously telling yourself, he's doing a good job. He's doing a good job. Because then you're affirming yourself of relinquishing control as well. Exactly. So, And this is where appreciation is super important. We talked about earlier in the podcast that, you know, couples who are happy and fulfilled in their relationship see and turn towards each other's bids for connection 87% of the time. That takes a lot of work. And you have to consider that, you know, when you're in certain stages of your life, maybe where there's young children and you both are working, it's going to be more challenging and take more effort. The goal is not to be perfect here, but the goal is to be aware of yourself and you work on your presentation. You'll hear me talk about this a lot. And I think I have maybe have mentioned it in past episodes, but there's um, a concept or a tool in the Gottman Method that we call the soften startup. 
uh, the, the first three minutes of a conversation generally dictate how the conversation is going to end. So if I come at you and I'm like, you know, I just need some understanding from you and support. You you don't really listen to me. You don't help me out with the kids. The house is a mess and you don't really care. Like that conversation isn't going to go well. I'm sorry. You might feel like you're really communicating, but how you communicate, it's important. So a softened startup is I feel about what I need. And I will probably talk about this in every episode because I know if you're anything like myself and my clients, it takes a long time to work through this. So let's give an example. Like, babe, I'm feeling super overwhelmed and stressed out. That's your I feel about what? Getting the kids ready for school in the morning and, and feeling like it's chaotic right? Okay, I need I need help with breakfast. Can you please make sure they get their breakfast and that you make the coffee for us while I get them dressed and make sure their backpacks are packed? That's an I feel about what I need statement. You cannot do I feel like you or I feel that. I really want you to tune into your emotions because your emotions will help you understand what your needs are. If I'm feeling overwhelmed, what's the opposite of feeling overwhelmed? It's feeling, for me, in that situation, it would be feeling supported. So then I can think to myself, what can my partner do to help me feel supported? So tuning into your emotions is really important and starting with that, taking ownership of your feelings and your experience instead of throwing it up. But you don't want to have this conversation in the middle of an argument because nobody's listening. Nobody's listening. So it's too, when you're arguing, it's too late. Yeah. You want to have this conversation in the morning when you have coffee or in the evening before you turn the TV on. Like this is a conversation to be had when things are calm yeah. and your needs are, you're trying to get your needs met. Right. You don't want it to turn into an argument because it's too late by then. Yeah. So it's better to introduce the topic when things are going well or you're trying to get on track of things going well. For sure. You don't want to introduce too many I need things and then expect them all to get met right. because obviously yeah. it's going to fail. Yeah. So you want to obviously try to perfect the one thing at a time. I know for some people that's hard. Oh, it's super hard when your relationship has been in the dumps for a while. You're like, I need massive change. Right. right. But the, you're setting yourself up for failure. Oh, for sure. For sure. So what's one thing that I could do for my partner to start turning towards something simple and small to start getting your relationship on track well one you have to talk to each other there was a study and i and i wish i could remember what university it was out of um you can probably find it on the godman institute blog it was a study that showcased that dual working parents with children spent an average of 20 minutes a week talking to each other really oh yeah and of the 20 minutes usually it was about household or child rearing related things So then when those couples become empty nesters, are they more likely to get a divorce? Oh, for sure. Okay. For sure. So you really have to cultivate a relationship where you're talking to each other. Okay. Okay. Um, Because if I just come in and I'm like, these are all the needs I have, but I have no established relationship and just a ton of resentment, yet you're going to make slow progress. Okay, so you got to think bigger picture. So we have uh, an exercise in the Gottman Method called the Stress Reducing Conversation. And it was developed because of that research study that I just cited, that you you take 20 minutes a day. And 
you know what, 20 minutes a day for a lot of people is a lot. I find that this is the hardest uh, thing for couples to implement. Um, so start with five minutes each, right? But a total of 10 minutes. So I would like 10 to 20 minutes, ideally 20 minutes, where you're at around the same time every day. So link it to coffee, and that's what my husband and I do, or link it to dinner or after the kids go to bed. And you really slow down and you take turns sharing what's going on in your life from that day. You're not, this is not a time for relationship complaints. We are we are not going into that, just hold it off. And for five minutes or 10 minutes, I'm sharing with you some of my feelings, my stressors, the things that I'm excited about. The hope is, is that the partner who is listening shows a lot of engagement. You know, they're not distracted. They're being very curious. They're offering empathy. They're not playing devil's advocate. They are not trying to fix the scenario for you. They're just really tuning in as a friend would tune in. My gosh, babe, wow, that really is exciting. Or, you know, Joe Blow at work sounds like a real jerk. Like, I get why you wouldn't want to work with him anymore. Like the, the sign of 100% support. Now, at the towards the end, you can say the, the partner who's listening can say, do you want any advice here? And the person who's speaking can say, yes, I do or or no, I don't. And then the goal is then to flip roles when you are tuned in to what is happening on a day to day basis in your partner's life and inner world. You have way more grace and understanding for their behavior um, and the way they move through time. And as you develop that relationship, you want you're more tuned into each other so asking for and expressing needs becomes more natural at least in my opinion that's what i think if all you're doing is talking needs and not really putting the effort in to show support and knowing your partner um, the expression of needs is going to stay challenging and how those needs are expressed is probably not going to come out in a way that's actually going to get the need met So making intentional time to stop and to really check in with each other outside of relationships complaint and using the soft and startup, the I feel about what I need. So a lot of this takes personal work um, and checking in with yourself. How often are you seeing couples who are not turning towards each other? Does, is that affecting their sexual drive oh towards each other? 100%. Although I will say like some couples can have really great sex and never communicate at all. I mean, we we can look in broad generalities here, but the, the, not every couple is the same, right? Usually the couples that I attract into my office require or want that emotional connection to enhance the sexual connection. So if you're never talking to each other and you're not expressing needs, usually you have a very transactional sexual relationship with each other. Like I'm bending over the bed, just get it done, right? Like there's no pleasure, there's no connection or there's no sex at all. And it's usually interesting, like one partner feels most connected when they have sex. So like when they feel disconnected, they move towards pursuing sex more often where the other person's like in order to want to have sex, they have to feel emotionally connected. And so it just causes this constant tension of like what I call a quid pro quo relationship. Like I'll meet your needs when you meet mine. Mm. Right. Um, Like I'm not going to give you sex until I start to feel understood. And like we have something more than just roommate status but that's not really communicating exactly to your partner how to do that. And then your partner's saying, I feel so disconnected from you and I can't even touch you without you like throwing a fit. Like, 
I don't feel like the desire to meet your emotional needs. And then you just get locked. You get locked there. And that's a really tough place to be. And oftentimes you really do need clinical intervention uh, at that time to help you piece through that and to keep the hope and the tools and the accountability alive. And then you also will see infidelity when it comes to turning towards as well, because oh, they're sure. not getting their needs met. They go and look for an outside serve, yeah. you know, service. So um, yeah. um, being emotional, maybe you're just talking to somebody on the internet and sending oh, pictures, sure. or maybe you're fulling out, like actually having oh, an for affair. Sure. Well, most people I don't think wake up one day and they're like, gosh, I want to like ruin my life and um, go have an affair. I, I don't usually see that. It's, you know, there's a book, uh, a Cheryl Glass, and she wrote a book called Not Just Friends. And she talks about this kind of cascade of moving into an emotional or sexual affair, right? Where like the re- the top reasons one person steps out of the marriage physically or emotionally is because of uh, lack of, uh, so poor communication um, and, and high conflict avoidance. So I don't share anything of myself and I avoid conflict. So then it creates these gaps in your life of emotional connection and physical touch. And so, you know, usually you're, you're spending a lot of time with people at work or, or whatnot. And so these people start to meet those needs for you and you, you, you kind of develop that emotional connection, which then leads to generally a physical connection in some way. Um, so you really have to safeguard your marriage by spending time with one another and not avoiding conflict. And if you struggle with conflict in your relationship, you need to get help professionally. Give me three things that I can do right now to start making a better emotional connection and turning towards my significant other. Top thing is come to your partner sometime today when you are not upset and stay super calm and say, you know what? I love you. We've both been kind of feeling super disconnected from each other. We got a roommate status thing going on. Um, and I really want to enhance our relationship. So I, I would really like us to try the exercise of the stress reducing conversation that I heard about in this podcast um, so that we can start to just get in the habit of talking to each other again. That would be one. So you need to talk about it. And then two, you need to actually do it. Now you need to set a time. Like, and I said, like, I, I'm fine with starting with 10 minutes a day. I'm fine with even starting with five minutes a day. But I want you to tie it to an event. Tie it to dinner, tie it to coffee, tie it to after the kids go to bed. It should be the the rule, not the exception, okay? you. I don't care if it only happens five times a week, but it should be happening more often than it's not happening. And I'm not striving for perfection just yet. And third, if something is not going well and you can feel it. I want you to think for yourself through the softened startup. What is it that I'm feeling? Why am I feeling that way? And what would be the opposite of that negative emotion? And how would I see that playing out? And then go to your partner using the softened startup. The softened startup isn't going to work every time, especially when you're in gridlock conflict. That's why I'm saying like you need to have a counselor involved if the conflict is really bad. And the softened startup and the stress-reducing conversation isn't working. There are other things at play that need to be talked about and assessed from a clinical perspective. I like that. We want to hear from you listeners. Follow us on Instagram for more ideas on how you can turn towards your partner. You can find us at the Sonia Jensen, and we can't wait to connect with you next week.
Thank you. There you have it. If this episode hit home for you, take a second to share it with a friend, screenshot it, and share it on Instagram, or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to learn more tips and stay connected with Sonia, follow her on Instagram at the Sonia Jensen. And if you want to find more information, you can check out her website at www.sonyajensen.com. Until next time, remember, stay real, stay unfiltered, and dig deep.